This is Limit Up, the place where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology to take your trading to the next level. Hey traders, this is Eddie Horn from Top Step Trader, and this is Limit Up. This is where we talk with traders, market participants, trading psychologists to help you improve your trading. Now, this is our seventh episode, the lucky one, the lucky seven. So, hey, if you didn't catch any of the first six, make sure you check them out on either SoundCloud, iTunes, or Google Play. Now, today, I'm joined here with Top Step Trader CEO, Jay Rudman. Jay, great to have you here in the broadcast booth. Hey, thanks, Eddie. It's great to be here. Today, we're going to be talking with Randy Howell. Now, Randy, Jay, is a trading psychologist. Randy's been working uh, with high-performance traders for, I'm going to say, about 15 years, if I remember correctly. Um, he's even authored three books on the subject. So I think we have a bit of an expert here on our hands, Jay. Oh, I totally agree. This is such an important topic. I mean, Randy really does bring up things like biology and emotion and how that impacts the trader so I'm right. super excited to hear more about it you know it's really cool what he is formulating uh, for success and how he uh, approaches it so I'm ready are you ready I'm all ready all right let's dig into this here's my conversation with trading psychologist Randy Howell all right today we got Randy Howell Randy Howell is both licensed therapist and a performance coach his work is grounded in neurobiology of emotional intelligence, mindfulness, and accessing and developing hidden potentials that allow traders to redevelop the beliefs that they are projecting upon the markets. And uh, we got Randy, Randy Howe, trader psychologist with us right now. Hi, Randy. How are you? Hey. How are you doing, Eddie? Very good, my friend. Very nice to have you here with us today. And uh, um, I think one of our topics, or actually the topic, is going to be mastering the emotions of trading and Boy, I tell you, trading and emotions hand in hand. Wow, they are, they are, they are, they are. Now, Randy, before we get started, can you give me a little bit about your background? Uh, and uh, if you can, talk to us about how you found the interest and passion in trading psychology. Yeah, that's actually interesting. Um, I came to becoming a therapist late in life. I finally came to a moment where I really just saw it as a passion, and I became and I became a therapist and. I really was drawn to performance uh, more than just clinical stuff, and I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina, and there's all these bankers that we we have with these banks, and so it was really easy to start developing a specialty in performance. And then one day, I I um I got contacted by a guy who uh, ran a small hedge fund, and he said I'm having performance issues, and I I would like some help, and so we started working together, and he he he. His performance jumped, and over time, what happened is he began referring people to me, people in his in his company, and then it started growing. And what I discovered was that what I liked about traders and active investors is that um, they were highly motivated. Unlike a lot of clinical clients, they're not you know they they won't do homework. And what I was doing, I would get my work is a lot about homework and reconditioning and rehabilit, just really causing circuits to really change. And I would give homework, and these guys would be coming back saying, more homework, more homework. I'm going, you know, I really like these guys. And the other thing that really set it apart is that trading has a black and white litmus test, a truth meter, and it's called the trading account. And what I discovered 
is that if you buy into the assumption that you were projecting your beliefs onto the market and you were evaluating those beliefs and their effectiveness of extracting capital out of the markets by the virtue of what kind of help your trading account's in, you begin to see this thing, this trading account's your best friend. It can cut through all the BS, all the lies you tell yourself, and it cuts to the chase, which is something that when you're in self-development type work, you feel good and you feel certain and it, you believe it because it feels right. But in trading, it doesn't matter what you feel. What matters is the health of your trading account. It's going to cut through it. And I just really like having that because it, you know, it, keeps me, it keeps me on the edge to make sure that I'm at my, performing at my best. Right. And it makes sure that the trader and the active investor is really having to look at himself and having to really look at the areas where his fears are and actually mustering the courage to walk through them rather than to step around them and pretend they've solved the problem. So it was just a great fit. I, it, is, it has just absolutely been a laboratory that I could not have asked any more from. Awesome. Randy, now, I, I know you mentioned something before we turned the tape on, so I, I, I wanted to explore it here. Uh, you said that traders don't have a clue as to what emotion actually is. Now, could you please elaborate on that? Yeah. Um, emotions, fundamentally, we often think of them as feelings. We often think of them, they happen in my mind and stuff like that. That's just totally wrong. Emotions are biological, and they take over psychology. Emotions defined from a neurobiological standpoint really are biological action potentials that coordinate the action between the organism, that would be you, the trader, and the environment that it's in, that would be the markets. And ultimately, it's this dance that's going on with different stuff that's going, perturbations that happen in the marketplace that trigger the organism to emotions to keep to keep basically the prime directive is keep you alive in the next moment. And people don't grasp, grasp that. They think, I want to stop emotions. You can't. You can't. If there is a change in status in the environment, there is going to be the triggering of emotion in you. And the deal is you, you have to learn that there is no such thing as freedom from emotion, but there is freedom of emotion in that when you meet uncertainty, the very first emotional response is going to be vulnerability than fear and then the fight-flight response. That's just the way the body through evolution has been built to engage in certainty, and once you understand that, once you realize that that's a glitch in the trading mind, it's, it may not be a glitch in the world that we used to live in just a few years ago, 10,000 years ago, but it's a real serious problem with the mind that you want to work in probability. You know, probability is all about managing uncertainty. The brain is all about avoiding uncertainty. So you can see the clash and every time you avoid uncertainty, you're looking at an emotional response to the markets. So you can see that. Right. Now, Rand, emotions are inescapable. Randy, I was going to say, you know, I've had years of experience on the trading floor. Yeah. And I, I, the fluctuation of emotions, uh, very competitive. I mean, you walk in there, it's very competitive, but uh, th there was, uh, you know, very high emotions, very low emotions, uh, extreme emotions, just about every emotion here in electronic trading, too. Um, we're not, I mean, we are in competition. Uh, we do excel emotions throughout the day. 
um, we do sometimes uh, ride the wrong emotion for the right event. Uh, we have the emotions here, a different set of emotions. I mean, physically on the trading floor, it was much different than sitting behind monitors and, and trading. But the same emotions do come uh, to fruition, and mm -hmm. we do experience these. Now, uh, being a trader now, uh, electronic trading, uh, when we do say extreme emotions, I know there's, there's a time where uh, if, if we can think things out, we can, uh, we can leave the emotion at the door, and we could come into trading, and we can try to get through the day uh, controlling, uh, having the discipline, uh, managing ourselves. What is something that you would, uh, you would say with the electronic trader, that uh, if something does, as far as an emotion, arise, and it's not a good emotion, and it, it seems to seep into your trading, and you're able to catch that, how would you say that uh, a, a trader can put that behind them and keep looking forward? First of, all, first of all, you have to acknowledge it. Uh, the thing is, it's one of the things in my work, it's what I'm asking for people to do, acknowledge the danger of the fear, is that the truth is that you could lose, okay? And acknowledging it rather than, you know, basically your old brain sitting there and listening to the higher brain, and the moment you say, oh, there's no reason to fear, blah, 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 you know, what happens, you tell the survival brain that, and all of a sudden it's going, hey, look, higher brain, you're just totally out of water. The major thing is in acknowledging an emotion, you also have to learn to observe the emotion, not as something unnatural, but as simply something that flows out of interaction between you and the environment. And ultimately, what I teach my traders is the very first thing they have to do is you have to learn to manage the emotion. First, you have to observe the emotion actually happening, and then you have to manage it before it gets out of hand and takes over and hijacks your rational mind, which you desperately need to be able to manage probability. Now, Randy, Randy, you said hijack, and and that's something that, uh, you know, just being the broadcaster here at Top Step Trader, talk to a lot of traders, and you know, I asked them, you know, why did why did you break your rule? Why did you, uh, you know, why did you why did you revenge trade? One of the uh, scenarios, uh, and. I think the perfect word is emotional hijack, getting uh -huh. hijacked by that emotion, that emotion, uh, you getting sucked up into it and just blindly following it. Yeah. So uh, with that factor, um, I know that, uh, like I said, emotions and trading go hand in hand. How do emotions work in trading? Now, does it bring new emotions we're unaware of when we're trading, or uh, are the normal emotions exaggerated? Well, what happens is that the trader doesn't know how to deal with uncertainty, and what happens is that you keep, as a thinking that you're a rational human being, you keep pushing the envelope, and what you're doing to the old brain, to the emotional brain, when you, when you hit uncertainty with risk, when you've got capital there that you can, in fact, lose, you know, to it, it views this as a biological threat to life. And when you do that, it's triggering. And ultimately, what you have to be able to do is you have to be able to spot it before it becomes dangerous. And, you know, again, in my training, what, you're, what people are learning is to observe their body and recognize that the body and the mind – 
are inseparable from one another. And you can watch the biology, the emotion begin to grow and the way you breathe. If you start noticing yourself holding the breath and if you start noticing yourself breathing really high kind of uh, in a panic and if you start noticing that you're clenching your teeth and your, your jaws there and your, your neck's tight, what you're looking at is emotional arousal. And you have about five, ten seconds right there to be able to start calming that down. Otherwise, the emotion that's triggered is growing, and it's going to hit your threshold moment, and a switch goes on, and it's no longer growing. It's flooding in your body, and it's hijacking you. And Eddie, it's really interesting as information – this probably is a little more biology than anybody wants to hear, but ultimately, you have neural information coming into a part of the brain called the thalamus, and the thalamus is checking out from the past and stuff like that. And it's basically making a dirty – just offhand guess about whether or not this is a dangerous situation or a good situation. If it's an okay situation, it will route the impulse up to the thinking brain where all of a sudden the reason and all that stuff you want to be have, have faculty of when you're trading is there. However, if that thalamus comes to the moment where it says, no, this is dangerous, it will take the low road and send the, inf send the whole impulse to the amygdala and suddenly you have the hijacking and literally – Thinking function, so vital in trading, is truly taken offline. I mean, it's like a switch that flips, and suddenly the neural information is not heading toward the neocortex where all that thinking happens. It's heading toward the limbic system, the emotional brain, where literally emotions happen before thought. Randy, real quick, limbic system, neocortex, can, can you explain both of those, please? Yeah, the limbic system is really what we also call the emotional brain or the mammalian brain, and it's the part that we've had since ancient times, and it's the part literally that we're uh, basically – like when you take a look at a dog or a deer and stuff like that, they're totally into, the, into that limbic system, the emotional brain, and those emotions are coordinate action between the environment and the organism. That's the ancient brain. That's where survival instincts are, and that's where hijackings occur. The neocortex is this uh, tumor that grew, back, grew out of this emotional brain that gives us reason, that gives us the ability to add to abstract thinking, that gives us the reason, the way of using logic. And what happens is they're separate, and they, there's, this, there's this high road and this low road that when information is coming in, a decision is made about whether or not this, this, this situation, this information coming in is so threatening that we need to cut out thinking and we need to be into fight flight. And that's called the low road. Okay, And that's how you produce hijacking. At the same time, the thalamus may decide, oh, this isn't a big deal, and we can send it up to the thinking brain. It can process, and you get the kind of reasoning and stuff like that that a trader wants. So the whole key in emotional regulation is to be able to cool, cool the uh, emotional brain and cool that whole thing down so that there's more time and you get to go, well, you know something, I recognize this is not really a biological threat with, you know, with uncertainty and capital at risk. It may be a psychological discomfort, but it's not a threat, and literally you can train yourself first by slowing the emotion down, the intensity of emotion, that it doesn't trigger and go to the low road, and it allows you to access the higher brain functions under stress, under, under the environment of trading where you have capital at risk and uncertainty. 
all in the same, and you're you're separating it from danger in the environment, like a saber-toothed cat running you down or a big bear running you down. Right. That's really what it amounts to. And like I said, the the thing is, is the the old brain, that mammalian brain, that emotional brain, the limbic system, is ancient and has enormous networks of communication going out into the neocortex, that thinking brain that we want to use. The problem is the neocortex has two skinny little telegraph lines going back into the emotional brain to help regulate it. So you really have to, a trader, if he wants to master being effective in trading, really has to learn how to regulate that emotional response, that triggering to gut instinctual emotion, to be able to make sure that your reason centers and logic centers stay online when there is stress. And, you know, traders work with this every day and they don't understand that this is going to happen whether or not they like it or not. And by doing that, they think they can just bully up to this thing and they can out grit, out, out man it. And you can't. You know, the thing is, is that the emotional brain turns you, turns into an 800-pound gorilla in an instant, and it just manhandles logical thinking. And that's why you hear when you when you talk with these people going, I don't know what happened. You know, I was just fine and dandy, and all of a sudden I, I can't explain what I did. What was I thinking? Well, what's happened is that that emotional brain has just simply cut out the, the thinking brain from decision-making, and it routed it down into – into the amygdala where the fear center is, the emotional center is, and it's all primitive instinct at that time. And that's why you do all these dumb, stupid things that if you look at it from a survival standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. Like, for instance, if you can't pull the trigger, if you're so scared you can't pull the trigger and the trade gets away from you, from a survival standpoint, that's that's successful. It stops you from risking, to, in its mind, life and limb by not getting in it in the first place. It's a very successful solution, and it'll take a little shot of dopamine, and it will fix that in there and habituate it even harder so that it's even more difficult for you to overcome that fear of uh, fear of pulling the trigger. That's, okay. that's what I mean by that. Randy, dopamine. What is dopamine? Sounds like something I get at Walgreens. <laughs> no, well, the, um, the, the closest... Uh, it's a hormone, and it's a chemical hormone in the brain, and it's called the reward hormone. And when you do, when the brain does something right, which means uh, when it does something that solves a problem, what it does is it gets a little squirt of dopamine that rewards it. And in that reward, what happens is that it reinforces that behavior to become a pattern. Okay, and you know, when again going back to this thing, I'm not being able to pull the trigger. You know, there's a sigh of relief when that trade goes by. Whew. That's the dopamine, and it's going. Uh, it's getting a squirt of dopamine. It's reinforcing that habit, that pattern. So next time you get into a situation where you're facing uncertainty, it may be a really good. It may be hitting all of your qualifications for entry, but there's still uncertainty and there's capital at risk. And to it, it's keeping you away from it. It's been rewarded, so it triggers again and stops you from being able to take action and get into, you know, a um, a really good trade setup. Okay. All right. Now, um, if we could, uh, let's get to how we can master the emotions of trading. I know I'm jumping right in that, but uh, yeah, you know, even 
trading and the emotions that I have, there's sometimes I can catch them right away and mm -hmm. stop them. And, and sometimes that emotion runs to the point where uh, I'm, it's gotten too far ahead of me, and now I've got to catch up to it to stop it. Okay. Now, right. where does someone uh, start if they feel beaten down? Yeah, the, the you know the first thing is when you when you recognize that what you're doing is beaten down is a trade word for the you know from my standpoint and the language I use of powerlessness and submitting to that powerlessness. And what it's telling you what it's telling you is the approach you're using is not working. Okay? That's what it you know, it's not like it's it's easy to when you're in the emotions of powerlessness, it's like, I might as well submit, my life is over, I might as well give up, blah, blah, blah. But ultimately, if you start to recalibrate it and go, actually, what this is telling me is that the way I'm approaching this problem is the problem, and I need to relook at that. That's the first thing. There's actually big hope there because most of the people I work with, the very last thing in the world they want to do is work with me. And they, they're coming to me because they've tried everything they know how to, and they, and, and they find themselves incapable. They found themselves pretty down, like what you're talking, and they're looking for, say, can you help me? Can you? And the thing is, is you need to relearn what emotions are. You need to recognize they are trying to coordinate action, and they're actually doing their job on a survival basis, but they're not doing it on a probability basis. But the very first thing is you go, the very first thing I have to do is I have to alter the breathing and the body posture that I have when I'm in that depressed mood because you're going to notice that you have very shallow breathing. You're going to notice that your uh, shoulders are slumped. What you need to do is you need to go back to diaphragmatic breathing and you start noticing that and then you start listening to yourself. And one of the biggest things in the world, this is where mindfulness becomes so important, is that in mindfulness, you recognize that you and your thoughts, you and your beliefs are not the same, that their awareness is outside of thoughts and beliefs, and that what happens is you can become the observer of those thoughts and beliefs without sucking into them and becoming them and them just taking you, taking you down their merry way and drifting into um, a, a bad future. What you can do is say, you know something, I observe this, and all of a sudden I can step back out of thought, and I can recognize that this is just simply the way my brain has habituated, habituated uh, this particular circumstance. I can step back out of that, and with work, I can reinvent, I can rebuild the mind that engages the uncertainty and work very differently from there. That's, the, that's actually the essence of what I do in, in my work, Eddie, so… Um, it's 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 actually a good thing that a person gets there because they realize that what they're doing is not working, and they become open to uh, mentorship at that particular time. Right now, Randy, you you mentioned mind, uh, mindfulness. Now, yeah. now I know this is something that seems to be coming up a lot nowadays. Um, my question is, how do you think about mindfulness as it relates to trading? Oh my gosh. Um, you know, it's very interesting is that um, there was an interview with George Soros a couple years ago where he's being interviewed. And this isn't about whether or not you like Soros or not. This is about acknowledging that he's one of the best act, uh, active traders and investors of our time. Okay, that's, that's the part you have to get is that he's being interviewed, and he had just made $2 billion off the fiasco, our financial fiasco a couple years ago. 
and he's talking and, and he he's asked, well, how did you do it? And he said in his really accident, heavily accented English, he said, you know, if you understand how to observe the markets, you understand how to observe nature. And if you observe nature, you can begin to really begin to see that the markets really are a bunch of bubbles. He says, I've trained myself to observe the bubbles in the market in the same way that in nature – and he gave the example of, of, a, of a rodent in Alaska called the Alaskan vole. And it has these population cycles that are really they, – they, they, they bubble, and they start this explosive growth, and all the predators just go up the chain, and life is just good. And suddenly that, that, um, that bubble, that population bubble collapses – and suddenly there's massive starvation among all the predators. He said the same thing happens in trading. It's just that you don't have the you haven't developed the eyes to see and to look for that. He says, I've developed those eyes. He said, the problem though, I'm both a participant and an observer of the market, so my observation is never pure. Now if you listen to what he's saying, you recognize he has a new way of seeing the markets that allow him to do things that would not occur to a lot of a lot of traders and investors. And it's the same thing. What he's doing is he's being mindful. He's developing an observer that step, literally steps back out of thought, steps back out of belief, and sees the markets in very new ways. He sees it in terms of bubbles. You know, I've worked with really good traders, large-scale traders that see the markets in terms of blood. You know, they, they have different ways of seeing these things. They see cornering traders and just sucking them dry and coming out. Since they saw in a day's work, they shouldn't have been doing that kind of stuff, and, and they, they take the blood. So they've learned how to see the markets in a very different way, and it's not about fear. It's about opportunity. It's about probability, and they've accepted that. You, know, you, you can talk about accepting the risk. But the thing is, until you clue your emotional brain in on this and learn how to calm it down, the primitive brain of yours has not accepted the risk. And that's the thing that you need to start observing. And like if you take a look in my work, what you're doing is you finally come to the moment of where the main observation point is you you get you you step back out of the need to win, no matter how competitive you are, you step back out of the need to win. Because that's not something you can control, and the markets will keep telling you over and over again, you can't control outcome. You can't predict outcome. You can't be right, but what you can do is you can learn to say, what is the market willing to give me? That opens up a completely different observer, and it's that mindfulness that allows you to start doing that, and where you start, Eddie, you start observing your body because if you get it that the, the – um, the brain and the mind that you come to trading with are very interconnected, and you start noticing the tension in your body is emotional arousal, and you start noticing that the breath that you use is fanning an emotion or calming an emotion down. You begin to see and recognize that, and you begin to say – and you start noticing the fixation, how you hunch over your screens. You start noticing, oh my god, I, I thought I wasn't in an emotion. Actually, what I've done is I've dumbed myself down so that I don't acknowledge the presence of the emotion there. And acknowledging it, recognizing it, observing it, you begin to have an enormous amount of influence over the way that emotion occurs and creates the mind. Because it's, you know, most people trade 
from a dread of losing and a fear of not winning. And that is a mind that is perfect for losing money in the in the worlds of probability because mm-hmm. they, they want to win, but you're not in control of winning. No, no, Randy, while we're trading here, we, we want to fix these bad emotions uh, the bad mindfulness. We want to fix this right away. If we can catch it quick enough and uh, we haven't got too deep up to our necks in quicksand, uh, the emotional quicksand, um, what's something as far as an exercise or something that we can practice um, that you would recommend to, to help us here? Well, I tell you what, you know that, you know those uh, journals that everybody writes and they they, they write about what they were thinking. They write about they, – they write this and write that and all that kind of stuff, and then they, they write about it, but they don't ever learn from it. What would be a really good thing to start doing is to start saying, okay, when I'm in these situations, when I'm doing something where something falls off the side of the world, like taking a loss, doing something stupid, what you start noticing is what am I thinking at that time and what is happening in my body? So you've got your journal of thinking, but you also journal what's going on in your body. And you're going to start seeing the correlation. And you start going, what was I thinking? And then you start asking the question, uh, what evidence is there to support the assessment? Because you're going to have, whether or not you like it or not, there's going to be a negative assessment machine run, running around in your head. It's just, it, it, comes, it comes with the human condition. And we try not to ignore it. We try to ignore it. We try to have this positive frame of mind. But you know, who in here, after a mistake, has not beat themselves up? Who in here has not fallen into self-doubt? Okay. And what you're doing is you're saying, oh, I need to observe that and start noticing, hmm, what part of me – and this gets deeper into my kind of work – is what part of me is saying this? What evidence is there to support that? And what you'll discover in this internal dialogue going on inside your mind is what, what you're going to discover very quickly is there's lots of assessments, characterizations running around in your head that are very global. But when you look at them and ask for the evidence, you discover that is very little evidence to support the accusation of the self-condemnation and stuff like that after making a mistake. That's a big, that's a big thing when you realize, you know, there's <laughs> – I teach that the, the brain is really kind of like a neighborhood, a hood, and there's some really bad dudes in that hood, and there's some really good people. And ultimately what happens is that we don't acknowledge the presence of those bad dudes, and it gives them an enormous amount of power and influence over the way we interpret and engage the uncertainty. Uh, and that's the, the first thing is when you're doing a journal – Notice the thoughts and start asking, what's the evidence that supports this? And you discover, oh, there's not really not very much at all. As a matter of fact, what happens is there's this voice in the background that keeps yelling and screaming all this stuff, but there's very little evidence. Then what you do is you take that and pair it and say, what was happening in my body while this conversation in my head was going on? That would be a big help. That would be a big help. All right. Appreciate that, and I'm sure that uh, – you know. We can all take this uh, take this to the next time we do experience that. Um, now, talking about <clears throat> excuse me, experience. Uh, Randy, I want to ask you about uh, if you if you can share with us uh, the scariest time that you've had in your profession. 
Oh my gosh. Um, it's not necessarily in my profession, but it's in my life is on my honeymoon 30 years ago. Um, I almost drowned, uh, on the Nepali coastline in Hawaii. Um, and it was really, really stupid, but I had, um, grown up on the Atlantic coast, had surfed in the Atlantic coast and I was a very proficient swimmer. I was a lifeguard. I was all that kind of good stuff. And, uh, I'd always dreamed of, uh, riding waves in Hawaii. And Dolores and I had got down to this beach in this wilderness area of, um, of, on the Nepali coastline, and there were these gigantic waves out there that I just decided I was going to have to ride. Of course, I didn't have a board, but I said, I, I'm just going to do some body surfing. I just want to get in that water and feel what it's like to be on one of these things. And I was ignoring these signs coming down the trail that said, dangerous riptides, do not get in water. Uh, just ignored those, Eddie. And ultimately, I got in the water, and these waves were coming in, so I was doing what anybody would do, is I was ducking underneath the waves, ducking underneath the waves, ducking underneath these And I finally came to the moment where the, where I was, where the waves were breaking, so I could start looking for a wave to get up in. And then I turned around to look at the beach, and um, the few people that were on the beach were like little ants. And I thought, oh, man, I'm way too far out. And so I just nonchalantly decided I'd swim in, and Randy discovered the undertow. Randy discovered the riptide, and it didn't matter whether or not I wanted to swim in or not. I was being pulled out. And all of a sudden, what flashed into my mind was, oh, my God, this is how people die in Hawaii. They get sucked out. They get taken by the currents, and they're thrown up against these big, giant boulders. And later, I found out the Mako uh, sharks finish off the bodies, and you can't even find the bodies. I got there, and I'm going, oh, my God, and I panicked. I didn't panic. I had a surge of anxiety run through my body. And when that happened, it lasted, and it probably lasted 15, 20 seconds. And then a voice, a very clear voice in my head said, get your act together right now if you have any hope of living at all. And at that time, I started getting command of myself and a lot of my drown proofing and stuff like that from my, all the training I'd had as a kid started kicking in. And I started I started doing that, and I started thinking more clearly, and at the same time, Eddie, I still had to come acknowledge the truth of which the high likelihood was that I was about to die, uh, um, no doubt about it. And I said, well, I would rather go down fighting than just sit here and succumb to this thing. I'm not going to submit. I'm going to fight. And out of that, I calmed myself down, and in calming myself down, I began to think much more clearly again rather than this panic mode. And what I did is I realized that, no, I could not get up into the head of the wave. These things were 30, 40-foot waves, Eddie. These were big waves. And But what I could do is I could swim up and join into the wave. And I don't know if you've ever swam into a 40-foot wave that's six miles long, but I can tell you is that you feel pretty like dust in the wind. It just... It just tumbles you, tumbles you, tumbles you, but it gets you over the it gets you over the riptide. It gets right. you under the undertow. And an hour and a half later, I touched ground, and it I, and it was very sweet. It was very sweet. Of course, of course. But the the main thing the main thing of what I want you to hear in that experience though is that 
um, for many, many years, that experience, all it meant is that I didn't get in the water when we went to Hawaii, and we used to go to Hawaii a lot. I would, I would get up into my knees, but I, I had a real stiff uh, – I was hypervigilant about the currents and the, and the waves in Hawaii. And then I finally came to a moment of where I realized I was using – I used that memory of you know total biological threat. And it was not psychological discomfort at all as a way of accessing the discipline, the courage, the self-soothing, and the impartiality, the clear thinking that was in that moment that allowed me to survive. And it's helped me to be able to access those qualities in my everyday life of when, I, when I'm engaging in certainty. And that's what I also yeah. teach yeah. traders. I teach traders how to mine memories and reorganize memories to be able to get out emotional programs that are much more conducive to managing uncertainty. See now, Randy, that that's there's a situation that you were in, and it was there was no option but survival. You know, either it was it was game over, or you need to stop, think, uh, you, you know, methodically go through your options. What do I need to do? How do I need to do it? Uh, and uh, well, thank the good Lord you're still with us here because yay, yay. because I've got a good friend and I'm I'm glad that you shared that story with us. Now one thing that I I read or I read upon uh, with the riptides is a lot of people try to go north and south. They try to they try to get back to the beach straight up. Now what is told if you can is to go west to east. Because a riptide is only so long. I mean, like you said, that wave was probably about six miles long, which it is. But the riptide itself uh, is much smaller, and you got right. caught in that riptide. But so, if anybody's listening out there, and that happens, and you're in Hawaii on your honeymoon, and you know, if it happens, go west to east, swim west to east until you uh, you come to a, at least, I should say calmer waters or uh, more accessible way to swim back to shore. So a lot of people like to fight that, and they don't realize it. They think that's the only uh, the only for sure uh, solution. So, but uh, anything else? Anything else here, Randy? Well, you know, you, we had also talked about when I used to uh, train um, a violent, you know, violent um, prisoners uh, that... Um, yes, you did. Yeah, this was a situation many, many years ago, and actually it's at the very foundations of the work that I teach is that I was hired to teach anger management to criminals, to prisoners who were in prison due to violence. Okay, so very specific about it, and um, I, was, um, I was training, and part of, part of the graduation was to be able for me to escalate someone and for them to be able to regulate themselves so that they didn't react, okay? And I was working with a guy who had literally beat two people to death, and he was like, oh, my God, he was a specimen. And I remember uh, escalating him, and I can remember seeing his nose flare, and I can remember seeing his eyes, and I can remember almost steam coming out of his ears as I was escalating him. And I was wondering, what on earth am I doing? And at that time, I was wearing in these prisons, they call them a man down. It's a, it's a piece of equipment that sits on your hip that if you were to be down on the ground, it would alert uh, the prison guards to come in with their batons and their tasers and stuff like that. And I'm going, oh, my God, oh, my God, what, is this going to happen? And I remember 
my life kind of flashed in front of me and stuff like that. And then my breathing kicked in and then this whole process that I teach kicked in. And fortunately, uh, he also was a very good student and he, he had practiced diligently and his emotional regulation skills kicked in too automatically. So it was very fortunate for me, but uh, I quit. I quit working with violent prisoners shortly after that. Shortly ended. after that, yes, it probably would be, but uh, you got to give credit to those people that do. Um, Absolutely. Now, now, Randy, over here at Top Step Trader, in my broadcast booth, um, I uh, I've got a time machine. All right. Ooh. Uh, yes, it's a time machine, and I'd I'd like to invite you to come over and take a trip. Now, wow, uh, if you could. Uh, go back in time and tell yourself one thing as you started out. What would that one thing be, Randy? Uh, trust is that I, I uh, ultimately what happens is I truly believe that the power is within you to organize the mind to be highly effective in whatever domain that you're going to work in. And what happens is that you have to have a lot of trust that you know you can trust the process that you can trust life to be able to show you what you need when you need it and in the same way from there and i mean i've had just downright you know whether or not you call them harmonic convergences or miracles or blessings or whatever i mean i met my wife on a cable car in san francisco literally four hours after my former wife and i basically said there's nothing in we're we're, we're done period and I literally got on a cable car and I met Dolores and that was like 32 years ago. It's just amazing. It's being open to possibility and to the trust. And the same thing in trading is if you take that to trading is that if you're not being successful right now, it's not your fault. Okay. The thing is, it is your responsibility though to sit and go, what am I learning from this experience? And can I trust myself to really develop my mind so that it can really engage uncertainty and the answer is yes you can except for people like with OCD and bipolar disorder and stuff like that you can redevelop the mind to engage uncertainty very differently the you know the old way is always going to be to engage uncertainty from aggression or fear that's just simply you know that's the way we developed over over eons of time right. but that doesn't mean you're stuck there that's the default programming that's the hardware, and that's that low path I was talking about earlier. But with emotional regulation and understanding, like when in this experience I was telling you about where I almost drowned in Hawaii, you know, I came down and I discovered core traits living within me that surfaced and came to front of mind that allowed me to save myself that day. <clears throat> what happens is that all of us have those traits or what I would call those emotional programs or archetypal energies living within them. They're there. I mean, you're human. It's in your genome. The real key is to trust that you can develop them so that you can change the emotional signature that you bring forward to engage uncertainty. And you really, I mean, it's work. It's not like there's some magic spell or mantra or secret knowledge that you're going to learn abracadabra and everything changes. It's going in and rewiring circuitry that was laid down eons ago and, and wiring it, rewiring it by design. And to me, that's what makes you human. That's what makes you so different than 
the rest of creation is that you have the capacity of designing the self very differently than what history gave you. You have the capacity of designing the self to engage the probabilities of trading or whatever, whatever endeavor you find, but it's that trust. Just trust the process. All right. Well, Randy, I'd like to say thank you very much for being with us here. Uh, oh, uh, it's been great. Uh, talking about the mastering the emotions of trading, and li like I said before, uh, hand in hand, whether you, you whether you like it or not, there will be emotions. It's a matter of self management, self discipline, self. It's it's a matter of you recognizing, as Randy said, uh, it, it, these are things that uh, you know. Even the uh, the seasoned trader, even myself, you know, I've I've sort of uh, fallen off the horse or, or or caught a caught a wrong path, and uh, it's just a matter of how you can come full circle, get back on that path, and uh, correct it. But uh, you know, I want to tell you, there, um, Nick Saban, the uh, coach at Alabama, right? Probably, probably if not the best coach that's been in modern college football, right up there. You know, I was listening to him after his loss, uh, their loss to Auburn the other day, and what he said was very clear. He said, you know, the thing is, there's going to be emotions in football. It's just that our job as coaches is to make sure that our kids have the right emotions and channel those emotions in the right way in order to reduce the best, the best chance of winning. And I want you to hear that. That's a football coach, for goodness sake. But what he's recognizing is the power of emotional intelligence. He recognizes there's going to be emotions. But he's talking about, as coaches, their job is to channel, help their kids channel that emotion into peak performance. Not win the game, peak performance. And that's the, that's the piece where it exists everywhere. You know, there is no given. You do not have control over outcome. You have control over the emotions that make up the mind that performs, and that's what Saban was talking about. And you know, um, didn't work out very well from them that night. But you know, over ten years, he's done pretty good. You got that right. Now, uh, Randy, Randy, how? Um, where can people find you online? It's pretty easy. Um, it's that www.mytraderstateofmind.com. And I'm sure if you just typed in my name, Randy Howell, uh, I'm sure that it would eventually get you there anyway. But my, it's uh, my trader state about mine. And if you do, the best place to start is I've got gobs of videos. I have gobs of article that are free. It's just you know the whole website's just kind of a place where you can go learn and get the free ebook I give as part of a just a package of learning how to deal, learning how to work with emotions, learning how to work with the what I would call the innate programs for success in the brain and the mind, and it's a good start. Randy Howell, R-A-N-D-E-H-O-W-E-L-L. -L. Randy, my friend, uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. Always a pleasure uh, to uh, sit back and absorb your insight, your knowledge, and uh, hopefully we get you back here again very soon. Cool. Well, I've enjoyed myself, Eddie, as always. Um, you, you do a great service. God bless you, and God bless everybody else, too. Likewise, Randy. Randy, we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Take care. Take care, Randy. Bye-bye.
All right. Well, Jay, Jay, you know, I love when Randy talks about how he started working with traders because of their dedication and doing homework involved in self-improvement. Self-improvement, dedication, they go hand in hand. Oh, I totally agree, Eddie. You know, trading is not an inherent gift. It is no. something that every good trader has to work hard towards. Mm -hmm. Like everything else in life, right? I mean, everyone else is putting in the time. If you don't put in the time, they're going to catch up and surpass you. Additionally, I really liked how Randy focused on the trade report because the trade report really provides you the immediate feedback for you to get better each and every day. That feedback loop is absolutely essential to continued learning. All right, now, but what Randy talked about, Randy talked about a lot, and, and we're, we're, we're very good friends here with Randy and Top Step Trader, and uh, bringing him on here, um, his education, his, uh, his guidelines, his insights have helped a lot of traders here. Now, for those that haven't heard Randy Hall before, uh, Jay, what do you think are some of the takeaways that uh, we can benefit from what we just heard from Randy? Yeah, I think the biggest one by far, and you could just see this consistent in everything he said, is that you have to embrace emotions. You can't really fight them, right? Randy talked a lot about awareness and mentioned that you are not your own emotions. You kind of have to remove yourself a little bit and look at those emotions as an outsider. Just being aware of them is probably the best defense when you're trying to combat them. You know, emotions. So many traders don't realize that at times emotions take over their trading. And then they'll, they'll veer off course and wonder, how did I get there? And if you sort of rewind and look and sort of uh, look at the log, replay what you did, you might catch an emotion in there that sort of uh, made you do something that either wasn't on the game plan, uh, was not a professional move, and sort of uh, just uh, swinging for the fence type of uh, action. So emotions, definitely. You don't fight them, and I think that's what Randy uh, was getting into. Yeah, and I think that he was saying, don't fault yourself for falling into your emotion. You have this mammalian brain, I think he used the word. I right. really like that, yep. the uh, the limbic brain. Uh -huh. And it's just a natural response for us as human beings through biology to fall into it. And the key is, is to recognize when that occurs and really try to take that, I think he used the word high road, which is that neocortex piece, and try to elevate yourself and recognize when you're falling back into bad habits. Right, and that, that high road is when you can sort of pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and say, okay, I need to keep going forward. Absolutely. So, but uh, what else do you think that... Uh, that some of the traders can get off of this. Yeah, I also liked how Randy talked a lot about how the body and mind are inseparable. Mm -hmm. um, it really, I mean, you think about it, sometimes you get nervous, you get anxious, you get emotional, and it, uh, it comes out in your body. You might slouch, you might breathe shallow, and he really says that you have to connect the two and deep breaths and mindfulness and all those things that we are told about are interconnected. Right, now, if we disconnect those, I think we become robots. And, oh, yeah. And uh, I don't want to become a robot. I've got so much to do as a human. So um, that's another good thing that uh, that Randy did talk about here and uh, uh, some of the positives. Some of the positives of knowing that the mind and the body are inseparable and work as a team. And once you sort of sync this together, you're going to see positive. You're going to see success. And you're going to see some uh, some uh, light at the end of the tunnel. So it's, it's going to help you out big time. What else? What else you got? I liked how he incorporated journaling. I know you, you bring up journaling a lot in um, 
in the broadcast. And what I thought was really cool about Randy was he talked not just about journaling around trading, but he talked about how you're feeling when you're placing the trade. So he wants you to journal not just the good trade and the bad trade, but also how were you feeling? Were you breathing? Were you slouched? Were you emotionally attached, detached, whatever else it might be? And I think that's a thing about journaling that a lot of people don't take into consideration. You know, a lot of people try the shortcuts. They, uh, they, uh, they half-ass the trading. Um, what they're doing is they're just cheating themselves, and they don't realize that. Journaling is such a, uh, a high aspect of success because what you're doing is uh, you're logging in your emotions, your trades, where the market was, um, you know, what affected the market. And you can always go back to there if you're in that same situation. You can always go back to there and sort of, I want to say, relive the situation if you, if you wrote it out or if you recorded it correctly, that the possibility of the end result might be there for you. You might have an answer there for you. So that's why I'm always, I'm, I know that we're really into uh, journaling and uh, I think it's it's a it's a it's a valuable lesson for yourself. Absolutely, and he also said that oftentimes, just as you suggested, you go back and you look at your journal and you find that there's no reason to beat yourself up. You know, you did the right thing. Maybe the market didn't work in your direction, but there's often very little evidence to support what he called self condemnation. That basically, you did the right thing, and the journal will support that. Right, I agree with that, and it's, um, I am a firm, firm believer. Uh, in journaling. All right. Um, how about, uh, you know, one thing he did mention, um, which is a word that I love to use, is, is optimism. I'm optimistic. What I really liked about Randy's approach to optimism is that you have to trust the process. If you recall, he brought up that Nick Saban story about, mm -hmm. um, you know, you can only control your performance and you basically can work towards your peak performance, and you can't always control the outcome of a football game or the trade or whatever else it might be. So the optimism is is you have to trust that what you're doing is the correct thing, and if the uh, outcome isn't exactly what you uh, hoped for, at least you did the right thing along the way. Right. It's You know what? Do the best that you can. Game plan uh sitting correctly, you've got uh, your mindset sitting correctly, uh, you've got uh, the positive, the PMA, positive mental attitude, which sort of brings us all back into optimism, and that's what's going to give you the nice little pat on the back. That's what's going to get you through the hard times, is having optimism. Absolutely, and Randy said, what's the alternative? The alternative is you revert back to the emotional elements and that's bad right you're going back into just hey revenge trading or doing something negative right. or angry there and that go. that is just you know you don't want to aim for that right that's that's the evils of trading yeah, jay absolutely all right well i think that's it jay i'd like to thank you very much for being with me today uh great to have you here in the broadcast booth and i want to ask you uh, another podcast down the road. You think you join us again? I would love to. Thank you for the invitation, and I hope I do get another one. Fantastic, Jay. All right, that was uh, great. Uh, Jay Rudman and our psychologist, Randy Howell. All right, traders, as always, thanks for spending time with us. If you'd like this interview, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Also, it would really help us out if you'd leave a review. You can always provide us feedback at LimitUp at TopStepTrader.com. And uh, I'm Eddie Horn. Talk to everybody next time. Take care.
Futures and Forex trading contain substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.